So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to For Everyone's Sake, angrily throwing a podcast hat at the World Championship of News. Ooh, topical. Welcome to For Everyone's Sake, the podcast that doesn't get exciting until everything's wet. Oh, right. Sorry, that's for my other podcast, the porn one. Sorry, <laughs> don't know how that got in there. Welcome to For Everyone's Sake, the podcast that's going for slicks when everyone else is on inters. And consequently, we're going to be way behind all the other podcasts for quite some time. And that's because Side we chose podcasts the wrong are way ahead of us oh. right now. Welcome to For F1's Sake, the Formula One podcast that will physically fight a Rolex sign just to get going again. What did that Rolex sign ever do to you, Kimmy? Got in his way. Oh, yeah. I'm Chica Ayers, and today we discuss what must be the year's most exciting race as Lewis Hamilton wins everything in Austin. We also talk about Capgate, dubious fashion choices, and Kimmy's hatred of Rolex. So, that's all to come. So, joining me in a pub right by Great Portland Street, round the corner from... The BBC, which would have much better sound quality, is a man who finally got his car back two months after it went for a routine operation. Phil Tromans. Yep, that's right. Should have taken a week for my car to get its new engine. You haven't mentioned that. Actually. No, I haven't mentioned it uh, every podcast. My Renault Clio 172 Cup has returned with a brand new engine. It took two months to get it because they lost the engine originally, but I've got it back. How many times do you think it's broken down in the week that I've had it? Well, clearly none because it's new. You would think, wouldn't you? Oh, God, is it going to be like... Well, it's it's died on me in three occasions mid-driving, including once when I went around a corner, which was quite funny, the engine died, and consequently the power steering also died at the same time. So halfway through a corner with cars coming towards me, suddenly the steering's three times as heavy. That was a bit scary. And anyway, that seems to have sorted itself out. And I've gone to do the oil change that you're supposed to do when you get a new engine, so 500 miles, change the oil. And I can't open the bonnet. Bonnet release mechanism's broken. Surely there's a manual override if I've seen anything yeah, in a film. Yeah, it involves taking most of the front of the car off. No, there'll be a little crank handle no. somewhere. Go, rrr, 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 I mean, rrr, rrr. remember Terry doesn't have a car or ever. He's got all this to look forward to when he comes <laughs> to I'm basing this on ownership. science fiction films when the pod, when the pod yeah. bay doors don't open. Next to Phil, a man who decided that going to a fancy city for a holiday was more important than watching a Grand Prix. It's Bernie Ecclestary. <laughs> That's very good. Because mm. I've also... Um, really short got an iron grip <laughs> on Formula 1 and I'm close to death anyway how are you Terry good I've been in Paris city of romance city of love city of wine city of the FIA drank at city of the FIA I went to the FIA oh you called up before the uh, commission well, well, I, done just thought, that was quick. I just thought on the off chance if Jean Tot is walking by on a Saturday or a Sunday then maybe I can out scoop your Nigel Manson interview by talking to the head of the FIA you did send us a picture though of the doors yeah what happened was I was on the Place de Concorde and I was like that address rings a bell I've seen that in the Senate film where they uh, where they go there for the kind of stewards meeting and I was like this is where the FIA is based so I google it and it said you're 30 feet away so I was like alright 
got my wife to say, you know, let's go and look at the FIA headquarters, darling. Like, I'm a very romantic, <laughs> so romantic, very romantic man. And we get there, and there's all these kind of there's all this w- w- work going on, and there's all these like wooden facades everywhere. Oh, how apt! I know. And I go around the corner, and there's instead of the FIA door, there's a wooden facade with a picture of the FIA door on. <laughs> which I actually crept round and took a picture of what was inside and there's a very lovely pot plant <laughs> and was Jean Todt just sitting there on his own but it was a cardboard cutout of him <laughs> I think the whole thing's a sham I think actually it's a drug operation and it's just got way out of hand anyway Chico what's going on with you um, I didn't actually think of this beforehand okay mm. brilliant well moving on how uh, is the poop flower the poop flower oh yes so my housemate had a shower and I went in and the, the water was right up high nearly to the top of the bath and I was like Argh. so I went back to my room and thought I'll just wait till it drains away and then I'll come back so I uh, came back about 10 minutes later and it was still there and I thought we're, we're blocked again we're blocked so uh, I got out the plunger and I was plunging away and then I got my housemate and she was like oh no so we, we had a look at some drains we went outside checked the drains they seemed alright so we weren't really sure and then we thought we're, we're going to have to really pester this plumber and then uh, after a while she, she said well, you could just take the plug out, no. Oh, <laughs> genius. So last weekend, we had the US Grand Prix, which is a mixture of rain and then so much excitement. Uh, best race of the season. I'm calling it now. That was brilliant. That's what F1 should be. Oh. oh, did you not like it? My wife works in a school, and this week is half term. So when I picked for her to go to Paris for our, for our little kind of thing, I had a choice of either last weekend or next weekend. This weekend gone being the American Grand Prix, next weekend being the Mexican Grand Prix with the Nigel Mansell corner. So I thought that maybe the American Grand Prix will be a bit of a kind of Lewis Hamilton whitewash. He's going to win. I can probably miss that. Next week's going to be more exciting and maybe the championship will go on to Mexico. Everything will be fine. As Nigel Mansell predicted last week on this very show. Exactly, which is kind of his, again, it's his fault because I was kind of listening to his sage wisdom and so I booked to go last weekend. It feels like, what's the point of watching all the boring races when you miss the good one? What's the point? What's the bloody point of this stupid sport? This world we live in now, where you're on Sky or BBC, and because this is a race that didn't have BBC live coverage, I couldn't even go and watch the full race when I wanted to. I had to watch the highlights, and the highlights made the race even more confusing because they just kind of go... They obviously had so much to cut out because it was so frenetic that it actually made, watching the highlights actually made no fucking sense. I actually watched the highlights as well, because I had so much free time. And yeah, they did chop it somewhat. Yes. Well, should we but talk uh, about what we predicted? Because we had, uh, well, we had interesting predictions. And Phil, Phil, you won. Unsurprising. But Terry, you were an extremely close second. Being boring and correct is not as exciting as being maverick and a bit wrong. Yeah, well, uh, speaking of somebody who's boring and correct, I'm all right with that because I'm smug once again, having predicted uh, Hamilton and then Rosberg, both of which were correct. And then uh, because you nagged me last week, I changed my normal prediction to Raikkonen, but I would have gone with Vettel. No, I'm not. But I'm not. Pressure, don't, I'm not playing that game again. I'm just going with my normal every time. So, uh, yeah, so yeah, I did quite well. I'm quite pleased. And then Terry said Vettel, Rosberg, and then Verstappen, who, of course, ended up in fourth. And when I said Verstappen, you were like, oh, we always bang on about him, but come on, don't go overdo it, Terry. And what happens? He's running third for a significant portion of the race. He does really well. I think I'm starting to warm to him, but still, you know, don't take it too far. And I got annoyed when Vettel overtook him. Anyway. And um, I was, I was did, completely wrong. I was going to say, so what did you go with? I got, I got Rosberg right in second, but I said Vettel in first and Raikkonen. I think I was just trying to copy both of you and come up with the winning formula, but it wasn't. Well, I mean, we all got at least one. So Rosberg was the constant. All of us thought he was going to be second, and he was in so oh, many God. ways. How damning is that? I hadn't realised that we'd all gone for him second. How depressing is I wish we could get him on the show and just go... It's not bad for a number hi, two driver. Hi, hi Nico. Uh, first question. Are you aware that uh, we all just presumed you were going to come second, and you did? <laughs> How does that make you feel? Not only in the race. In fact, maybe just in the race, because actually now he's. Uh, I'm starting to think he's not going to come second in the championship. I either. really hope he doesn't. It's very how, how, how? What's the difference between the points between Vettel and Rosberg? Right, well, it's closer now, because obviously uh, Rosberg... It's four uh, points, I believe. four points, yeah. 251 for Vettel, 247 for Rosberg. Vettel in the lead by four points. Yeah. And Rosberg has a habit of just screwing up when he's in the lead, so I think he's going to... As shown by this weekend. Yeah. Wow. I've said for a while now that Vettel is one of the big three 
who can outperform their car. So yeah. I don't think it's necessarily too much of a shame, but it does show that, as we all suspect, Rosberg just well, isn't this, that great. Put it this way. If Gordon was in Rosberg's car, Vettel wouldn't have beaten him, which is exactly what happened. Also, I just want to see yeah. more sulking. I really enjoyed the sulking. That was a good sulk. Yeah, it's shall really, we? It's oh. such a manly sort of battle between his desperate attempt to, to try and do the right thing and to mask his disappointment and well, then his natural proclivity to just be like, ah, everything's rubbish. Well, let's move on to the te- chatting about the teams then, if we're going to talk about sulks. Um, because we, of course, start off with Mercedes. I don't know if you knew, but Hamilton is, is now world champion. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't want to see the race. You ruined it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it was always going to be a question of, of, of when, not if, wasn't it? Yes. And when was Sunday at the American Grand Prix? Yes. Although it nearly wasn't. We, we were expecting for a while that Rosberg did seem to have got the rub of the green for a while mm. until he got screwed by a safety car and then by his own incompetent driving. So, oh. he, so I've got a question about the safety car. So he had, he had a real safety car, right? So there, I think there were two virtual and two real safety cars. Yeah, no, he had this race. virtual. No, yeah, that's right. He had a virtual safety car, and Rosberg what? pitted, and Hamilton was like, "Oh, should I pit? What should I do?" And by the time they'd worked it out, the virtual safety car was ending, and it flashed up. Virtual safety car ending. I was like, "Well, it's too late. I screwed him. He's knackered." And then Rosberg was on a much fresher set of tyres, and I thought, right, he was going to run away with it. It's going down to Mexico. But then, whoever it was, was it Ericsson, no, I think? No, Kvyat. Oh, it's Kvyat, that's right. Yeah, Kvyat binned into the wall. Sorry, guys. Oh, I'm really sorry. I think I fucked up. Apparently, one of the Muppets threw it into a wall and brought out a safety car. And that, well, that gave Hamilton a big chance, I think. And then Rosberg made doubly sure by not being able to drive well, it was like the race was on Hamilton had slightly fresher tyres he was going to chase down for the championship it was going to go to the wire to be honest we were slightly robbed of a potentially amazing finish to an already great weekend because it looked like Hamilton was going to be chasing down Rosberg for the championship and then Rosberg just went whoopsie and span it and just was then going oh, already, oh I don't know how that happened oh god it doesn't normally it, happen oh. it was going to say that was the, that's the kind of uh, excuses you hear in a very different it's never happened to me before I'm so sorry yeah, yeah of course you real spun before but what do you think about the first corner where Hamilton sort of pushed Rosberg off well well Terry you're an experienced driver now what do you yes. think <laughs> well do you know what I feel like Hamilton probably was a bit on the cheeky side. He probably went maybe a bit far. But I also think that Rosberg needs to fucking man up about this. <laughs> it's a race. They're not going to be like, race. oh, no, you first, please. Yeah, and he's I'll just there you. going, oh, well, I just presumed he was going to turn and he didn't turn. And it's not really fair that he didn't turn because, you know, I was first and everything. And <laughs> Dad did say that it was my turn to play pole position. And I don't really like the fact that he's just going, he's stolen my hat and then he throws it back at the end or something. And... Hamilton's got it all to lose, right? Rosberg isn't going to win the championship unless some serious shit goes down. You know, he, he, Hamilton would have to basically retire from every race at the end of the season. Rosberg hasn't got a hope of winning a championship unless, unless he does what? Unless he does a fucking Senna and barges into Hamilton. If he barged him out and made Hamilton spin and then well, Rosberg It wouldn't have been enough off. for him. He'd have to then win, I think, wouldn't he? Yeah, it wouldn't no, be it, enough just if to spear both him off, of them off barged him off and then carries on and wins the race then he's got a chance and I tell you what everyone would be livid but they'd bloody respect him because you know they? how you stand up to a bully by punching them I'm getting my metaphors mixed up <laughs> but I think that Rosberg instead just went oh oh I'm really unhappy about this and the thing is it's happened in all, it seems to have happened at the start of every race this year he's gone oh well uh, uh, please crying to Uncle Toto yeah well my, my, my thoughts on it were that it was a bit of a weird one because it did look like they both had ridiculous understeer because they came barreling into the first corner, which is very tight. They didn't have hot front wheels or as hot as they'd like to be. So they turned the wheels and the tyres didn't grip as much and so they started sliding outwards. It did look from the onboard that Hamilton probably could have given it a bit of a, a bit more a turn. But having said that, if you've got understeer... So you don't understeer is when you go underneath un- the track. Yeah. <laughs> Understeer is when you try and... Imagine if you're going around a country road. Understeer is when you crash through the hedge forwards. Oversteer is when you crash through the hedge backwards. So basically, the front wheels are losing grip, and instead of turning, you're going straight on. Which, look what's happened. Everyone missed the apex by a mile and just went straight on. But if you've got understeer, you don't get rid of it by turning the wheel even more, which seems a little bit... Because then you've just got even less grip. 
So you've got to sort of turn out of it. But I mean, looking at the onboard, it did seem like Lewis didn't have full lock. But then my natural reaction was like, well, why would he? If he's got understeer, he wants to try and straighten it up to, to get the grip back again. And also, did, didn't he just get a better start than Rosberg? That's why he was well, up he and did, yeah. him. No, so. he absolutely did. And, um, and also, why would Hamilton leave the inside open for everybody else to go sailing through him? I mean, yeah. he's, is he making the assumption that everybody in the race has got understeer as well? So, uh, I, I don't know. I've heard arguments for and against, but I'm not entirely convinced that, that, Rosberg, uh, that Hamilton did it deliberately. But if you had to choose... I would say it was an accident. I would just say that they both completely underestimated how cold their front tyres were and they both understeered and it was just, you know, a little racing nudge and that was it. So we're in agreement that it was a mistake? Oh, yeah, it was a mistake by both of them okay. and that Rosberg's just being a bit whiny about it. Okay. I've done a lot of thinking on this next subject and that is, if I was one of this year's crop of Formula 1 drivers, who would I be? And I think it's something we should all think about but um, I think I'd definitely be Nico Rosberg. Um, I think that I get annoyed when people seem to cheat, um, and yet when I play Monopoly, I cheat like a bastard. Um, I, when I was at school, fancied this girl, and my best friend, Stuart Young, for the record, uh, got off with her, and I feel that that's what Rosberg's going on right now. It feels like he's doing everything right, he's doing all his homework, he's handing it in on time, he's staying, he's going to the after-school clubs, he's joined chess club, you know, he doesn't really like chess, and, you know, just because there's a girl that likes chess, you know, why not give it a go? And what's happening is that this other guy, let's call him Stuart Young, uh, Lewis Hamilton, <laughs> he's just going out with, with Sadie, and it's just, I just don't think it's fair, and I think that that's, I feel that's how... Wasn't one oh, of Vettel's Rosberg. cars called Sadie? Sexy Sadie, did I imagine that? Yeah, no, that's, that's right, that's her. That, that's a very that's good her. Formula One analogy then. Yeah, that's her. Whatever happened, Hamilton is now three-time champion, but I read an interview with Button saying that Hamilton's had it easy this season. Sorry, is this Jensen Button who won a world championship by being in the, the best car on the field by miles and his teammate was like a 90-year-old man? <laughs> well, in fairness, I mean, in fairness, everyone's had an easy year compared to Button. <laughs> yeah. Here you go, Jensen. Here's a margarine tub with a couple of loo rolls stuck in it. It's this year's McLaren. Off you go. We'll talk about him in a bit. So, at the end of all that, it basically means that Hamilton is now equal Britain's most successful Formula One driver. Equal with Sir Jackie Stewart on three wins. But he's got two of them, the championship wins, that should be. Uh, but he's got two of them back-to-back. And he's equaled his big, uh, his big hero, Senna, as well. Which well, makes has. me wonder, what now? Because he sort of said in an interview after the race, well... I've kind of done everything I set out to do now, which was to sort of equal Senna's record. What do you guys think he should do now? Well, it's obvious, isn't it? He should die next year. (laughs) (laughs) That's the logical conclusion. If you've now... He's now won... He's won back-to-back. He's won with two different teams. He's equaled his all-time hero. I mean, the next step would obviously be to try and overtake Vettel with four. Um, But then you've got Fangio with five, uh, Schumacher with seven. I don't think anyone's going to get to Schumacher. But even Schumacher only managed it with two different teams. Vettel's only managed it with one team. Fangio won five titles with four different teams. I wonder if you're Hamilton, let's say he wins again next year with Mercedes, and I see no reason why he wouldn't. After that, here's my prediction. Ferrari, alongside Vettel, tries to win another championship with three different teams to cement his place in the all-time greats list. What do you think? Interesting. Because they always say that every F1 driver secretly wants to drive for Ferrari. How long is his contract? Is it just next year with Mercedes? Oh, that's a good point. I think he might have two years. Let's be honest, if he wanted to buy himself out of his contract, he's not short of a few quid. True, I'm sure true. If, if he and his high-priced lawyers could probably find a way around it if Ferrari came what if he tries it? to do a Damon Hill and goes for a shit team? Or goes to Arrows? After. Yeah. So you're suggesting that Lewis Hamilton should go to Arrows? Is that if I understood that I right? I think he should go to Haas next year. That would prove his mettle. That would be a surprise announcement, wouldn't yeah. it? If in Most Mexico they say, right, everyone, <laughs> everyone's expecting Gutierrez and they announce Hamilton. Well, actually, do you know what? I, no, I was going to talk about this later on with Grosjean, but I'll mention it now. Whilst I was trying to avoid the F1 news on the Eurostar, I, um, I was loading Instagram thinking, well, I can't, nothing will ruin it there. And I follow Roman Grosjean on Instagram and I forgot. And he put a picture up of the, uh, the podium earlier this year where Grosjean got a podium and it's Hamilton and him. And he... It was actually a congratulations, Lewis. Here's a picture of us both on the podium. But I thought it was a picture from America, and I thought, God, Grosjean's got on the podium, which made watching the highlights very confusing when Grosjean went out. And I'm like, how's he going to turn this one around? But maybe he's put a picture of the two of them up because he knows. 
that Lewis is going to go to Haas next year. It's Maybe. tenuous, but all you right. You heard it here first. Yeah, probably last. Right, well, that's a load of stuff on Mercedes. I just wanted to end by saying that uh, Rosberg, for all his sour grapes, that um, I think we're probably going to talk about at some point, he was uh, filmed in a bar in Austin after the race in a karaoke bar singing Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer, which seems frankly optimistic. Can, yeah. you, can you actually watch it? No, well, I haven't actually seen a video of the, I've seen a video of him announcing of them announcing him. He's standing next to Will Buxton from NBC. They say, "No, Nico Rosberg, living on a prayer," and then it cuts out because some idiot with a mobile phone was not filming correctly. He probably, he probably cried through it. He probably <laughs> it's just a really teary, sobbing version of living on a prayer in front of a live. And then band. he's saying the Bee Gees, every loser wins. <laughs> and then, well, he'd sing it in 14 different languages for a start. <laughs> yeah, and he'd, he'd screw up the chorus and he'd go, oh, so that's never happened before. <laughs> and he'd, then he'd blame Hamilton right. for it. <laughs> oh, sorry, Lewis has been fiddling with my uh, <laughs> fiddling with my vocal cords. And then Lewis just comes in with John Bon Jovi and goes, I'll let, the, I'll let this guy do it. Hey. Nails the best version you've ever heard. <laughs> oh, my God, Lewis, you're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and then Lewis would get off with Sadie. OK, let's talk about Ferrari. Vettel ended up in third and Raikkonen didn't finish. I mean, Phil did well. Started 14th because he got his 10-place penalty for having a new engine. As in fact, both of them did. And then he drove and drove and drove. And at the start of the race, the Red Bulls were quicker and they were nowhere. And he drove and drove and drove. And then it dried out and they got faster. And they drove and drove and drove. And Vettel finished third. And I don't really have much to say about Vettel. So let's talk about Raikkonen. Oh. Well, let's say when he cr- that guy, when he crashes into a sign does not know the correct etiquette of not being crashed into a sign. He don't stay crashed. Oh my God, that was just amazing. Just, that was, you could just see he was basically punching that sign. Well, well, he's a Ferrari driver and if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, uh, Ferrari have a watch sponsor and it isn't Rolex, I think it's Hublot. So maybe he was under official, if you, you know, if you get the chance to pan the crap oh, so out of a Rolex over the, over the radio, the marketing managers just said, you're being filmed with a Rolex right now, Kimmy. Smash You're going to be Smash fired. It. You're going to be fired unless you do something. And he gets out a gun. Well, I thought it was quite interesting because, you know, he took a year off, a couple of years off a while back and he did some rallying and he did some NASCAR. But the way he got out of the gravel, because it looked like he was stuck in the gravel and he just seesawed the, wind, the, the, the front wheels. Yep. That's the acknowledged way of getting out of gravel. Because when I lived in the Middle East, we used to have to do that to get out of sand. And you wiggle the wheel. So he, he used his rally training and then lit up the rear tyres and was off again. That was impressive because we all, I thought that would be it for him, but no, wiggled his way back well, in. Well, it was because it, 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 he broke his brakes, but still, it was but, good. But still, not bad. Right, Williams, an absolute disaster there. Good Lord, yeah. Well, they've gone back to form, haven't they? What, you mean 1992 form? No, I mean maybe 1998 through to 2010 form. I mean, they both got into Q3, so it started off well but then immediately went bad. But Bottas got clobbered by Grosjean at the start, and he was like, ah, oh, right, okay, I'm going to go onto the slicks really early so he can get the tyre call right and beat everyone, and got it immediately completely wrong. Was 10 seconds slower just in the first sector. So that's his race gone already. And he took his front wing off and left debris all over the track, which I think was one of the things that brought out the first virtual safety car. And then both the cars retired with broken dampers. Well, I had looked up what damper was, so I didn't know what that was, and it was suspension. And um, the team blames it on the bumps. And yeah. I thought, if you've got well, a sub- suspension failure, then you probably should have taken bumps into account. Yeah, the entire point yeah. of, the, <laughs> of the, sus- uh, the damper is to soak up bumps. They might as well have just said, I blame America. <laughs> <laughs> what did we think of Red Bull? So, Red Bull all year have been saying, Renault, you're shit, Renault, you're shit, Renault, you're shit. And then Renault go, look, we've spent nearly all of our tokens. We've got a brand new engine for you. We're pretty fucking happy with it. And Rebel went, no, we're not going to fucking use it. Wankers. Well, it did look like they made the right decision at the start of the race, didn't they? Because yeah. they were all over the back of the Mercedes and, in fact, passed them think at how, some point. Think how good they, good they could have been doing if they got the new engine, which is rumoured to have 0.01 of a second a lap better. <laughs> Maybe they would have done even better, but you could then argue that the... That, that as soon as it dried out they'd still have just been equally rubbish so um, well I believe they gambled on a wet setup which worked very well for them when it was wet what happened what was Ricardo doing was he just no basically, basically the, the cars worked really well in those sort of slightly wet when they were on the inters and when it was drying out they were really quick but then uh, as soon as it got dry they well, I'm presuming a lot of it was down to the engine and you know they had to rely more on outright speed and uh, we're rubbish again which so is Ricardo why just went backwards and backwards and backwards and also Ricardo got crashed into by Hulkenberg halfway through the race so his car was damaged 
and then Kvyat decided just to bid it to a wall. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I crashed the car. The reason that um, you could see Adrian Newey at one point just just screaming out of the clouds going, What is it, Rain? Are you scared of us? Are you scared, Rain? Rain down. Come on, I'll show you who's God. I am better than machine. I am the man! But it has rained before, and they have, this is the best they've done all season. Lucky. Not eventually, it wasn't, but... Oh, yeah. because yeah, eventually they finished 10th and had a the DNF. Their, their car is still probably the best car on the grid, the engine shit, so the, the mitigating factors of the engine meant that the car looked quite good for a while, but you need a good engine. Looked good for a bit. But yeah, I mean, uh, I think we were all expecting Kvyat to throw it into a wall because he'd been... Start having, having challenged for the lead and I think briefly taken the lead at the start of the race, he then progressively yes. just kept making a mistake after mistake. I'm really sorry. And then eventually just <laughs> gave up and hurled it. Don't tell Putin. <laughs> OK, Lotus. Rojan didn't finish. Maldonado ended up in eighth. I have nothing to say apart from what's going on with Maldonado. He's got, he's, that, that was like a whole feature of this podcast. And maybe, now we lost. Maybe we've mocked him so much that he's gone, right, I'm turning my life around. I've had enough of this. Surely on a race where everyone that. is crashing all the time, it's a no-brainer. I was, I'm as surprised as you were. He kept yep. his nose clean. He finished in the points. Made up five places from qualifying. But Good work for him. We should probably mention Grosjean. Crashed it to Bottas at the start, then had brake problems and retired. Great. Brilliant. Summarised beautifully. Toro Rosso. So Verstappen ended up in fourth. And Sainz was in seventh. So Max Verstappen is actually quite good, isn't he? I'm going to go on record now. Max Verstappen is going to be world championship one day. When? I think probably not this year. So not 2016? Uh, well, he's going to have to get in a better car. Okay. But I think when he inevitably goes to Ferrari, Ferrari he'll win a world championship with them. Unless they give him a duffer of a car. I'm going to say 2018. No, I think it's going to take him long. I'm going to go 19. Okay. Now, come back in four years and see if we've uh, I don't think right. he's ever going to be world champion. Why, but I think he's good. I just think he's going to be one of those drivers where you go, he had all that promise and he threw it all away on hookers and wine. Hey, going back to Terry Russia, it could have been fourth and fifth, but Sainz got a five-second penalty. For yes. Second, so. And also, it was a weird one because... It makes it so confusing to work out what's wrong with Red Bull this year because Toro Rosso got the same engine as Red Bull, but Red Bull have got such a brilliant car and such a more expensive, deeper design process that how are Toro Rosso that good? Is it just that Max Verstappen is amazing? Yes, it probably is. Well, I think they're both pretty good, actually. I mean, although Science has had a few little blips lately, then they're both pretty shit hot I would say time will tell exactly how shit are when they've been in a few more cars yep. but I'm not, I'm not sure exactly how easy it is to compare the two because I, I rate them both so we'll need to see them against other people I think in, in the same car I think certainly the best two Toro Rosso drivers we've ever seen or certainly the best two Toro Rosso drivers this season okay Force India Hulkenberg didn't finish and Perez finishing fifth which is pretty impressive Hulkenberg has gotten a bit lazy oh, since that Le Mans win hasn't he I, st- I was bigging him up earlier this season yeah. I thought he was really good and he's just been Oh, well, Heed yeah. Heed my warning. He is what Max Verstappen, <laughs> Hulkenberg, a few years ago, had everyone going, he is the number one future driver. He's going to be world champion one day, mark my words. And now he's just in the corner, smoking Rothmans and drinking, <laughs> going, I used to be someone. Could have been a contender. Well, he, he did nothing for his reputation by piling into Ricardo, breaking his suspension, which uh, I believe was his, now his fifth retirement in the last seven races. And three of the last four have been caused by him crashing. Yep. Uh, but he did have a, a say in the uh, race because, of course, he caused the second virtual safety car, which, as we know, every time something happened and a safety car or virtual safety car came out, things changed, and it was yep. very exciting. Who decides whether it's virtual safety car or real safety car? Charlie Whiting. Me. Sorry, Terry Saunders. Ah. Uh, we should mention Perez, though, because he finished fifth. Yeah. Qualified fifth, finished fifth. It had been on the same tyres since lap 27, he's doing which is right. really impressive to keep keep those Pirellis so, going that is, long. He's got like a super skill of he can make tyres last forever. That's great. But that's kind of all he's good at. He is very, I do remember when he first came in, uh, maybe when he was at Sauber or somewhere, I can't remember. He did one race where he went forever yeah. on tyres. This, this is something he's clearly very good at. But I don't know. He's, he, every is now and again, enough? every you now and again, you think he's amazing. can't be a by preserving tyres. No, I mean, but every now and again you think he's going to Ferrari, he's going to McLaren next year, he's going to be world champion, and then he gets boot after a year and he's disappointed. But then he comes back into Force India and, and nails really good positions. So yeah. he's a bit of an enigma. He's on and off. Right, McLaren, Alonso in 11th, Button in 6th. 
Well, Alonso was a bit robbed. He was doing quite well, and then his engine started, his new fancy Honda improved engine, by the way, started screwing up, so... Well, that's what you get when you swipe it, and uh, good old Jensen doesn't get the engine. He gets the old knackered yeah. warhorse. But he, he got higher up. Yeah, exactly. So... Actually, Button had the fastest lap at one point. And yeah, I could not impressive. believe that. At one point, he was he was in the one of the front running group. I think he was fifth or sixth, and it came up that he got the fastest lap of the race. And I was just like, I've I've been taking drugs and not realised it. What's going on? <laughs> I'm going to temper this a little bit by saying I thought on a wet race, where the engine factor isn't as big, that I thought they'd be higher up. If their zero cars project zero car was that good, I thought they'd be higher up. And they I don't think it's that good. No. I mean, I don't think it's as bad as the engine makes it look, but I don't think it's particularly yeah. brilliant. But should should Alonso have done better? Well, not not when his uh, not when his power was going. If he's if he hasn't got the power towards the end of the race, that's why he just went backwards. Because Button is supposed to be getting that engine for the next race. Yeah, and basically the engine looks like it's a bit better, but you know, but not reliable. You know, maybe maybe a. Uh, a dog turd is slightly better to have on your front doorstep than a human turd but still at the end of the day it's a turd <laughs> and sometimes right. it's on fire okay what about Sauber Ericsson didn't finish Nasa in ninth well they clattered each other didn't they City, it City wasn't Dicks. I mean Sauber have been really disappointed this season considering the engine they've got in the back of them they've just made stupid mistakes they've not been particularly quick started off badly when Nasa ran into the back of Ericsson on last two and lost his front wing Ericsson stopped for some reason. Do we know why he stopped? Just they just got bored. He probably just gave up. Um, he parked on track and brought out the safety car. Nazar eventually finished ninth, so he managed to get into the points from 16th. But then a load of people in front of him. It was Sauber's 400th stopped. race. Wasn't one to remember. Surely Peter Sauber at home's going. I've wasted my life. So Manor Rosie ended in 12th, and Stevens didn't finish. Well, that was another another team where they both crashed into each other at the beginning, uh, which didn't help. And I believe that's that that collision knackered uh, Stevens' car, which meant no frenetic drift action from the King of Drift this race. Stevens was actually the first one to retire. He was. It was very sad. I immediately thought that that's it. It's going to be a rubbish race. Without Will Stevens to provide the entertainment, what are we going to do? Uh, Rossi at one point looked like he might sneak well, the into the points I say that the reason Steve was retired is that he bought a job lot of uh, Stetson hats and he was he was desperate to sell them well, so there, desperate there genuinely was a job lot of Stetson hats because one of the stupid pointless things that Ted Kravitz was doing on Sky Sports when he had nothing to do but fill for half an hour he found a big box of Stetson hats and yeah, was going Will through Stephen Stetson's hats and he must have he must maybe he flogged them to, maybe they've got a thing going on because I've always thought Ted Kravitz a little bit were a little bit way yeah yeah Stephen Stetson's Anyway, Rossi might have got in the points, had another couple of people crashed, but they didn't, and he didn't. But he was the first American at an American Grand Prix since 2007. Hang on, there must be some in the audience. So every week we ask you to send in your questions, and this week we had... One question. Yeah. yeah. It was from Zach Cashman. Hamilton throwing the hat at Rosberg. Who was in the wrong there? Surely Hamilton knew Rosberg wouldn't be amused? I can't honestly believe that after equaling his all-time heroes record of three world championships that Hamilton was just like, right, I'm going to really piss off Rosberg now. That, I can't believe that's what he was thinking about. I think he literally was just chucking his hat at him. But I've watched this video many, many times and I thought, surely the hat is the second place hat. Surely Hamilton could have given the hat to Rosberg. Well, did he not also chuck Vettel's hat at him? Two wrongs don't make him right. I think what would have been better if, if Hamilton had given him the first place hat and then taken it back. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, got it wrong. <laughs> sorry, Nico, this hat's for winners. My view of it is, if there's one day of the year you're allowed to be a dick, it's when you're Formula One world champion. We've all done that when you go, oh God, he's going to be full of himself right now, Jesus. Rosberg should have had like a pithy put down. He should have, he should have a team of writers going, right, when Hamilton's a dick, you say this. And he didn't. He oh, just hats off to him. Hey! Uh, <laughs> so we're saying Rosberg's in the wrong for being grumpy. Yeah, I, I, both, uh, it was like the start of the race. They're both wrong. No, also, I, I, I genuinely don't think Hamilton did anything. I mean, maybe he's guilty of perhaps not thinking how his actions could have been perceived, but I, I don't think there was any malice in it. Also, in the bit where they were doing the champagne, Rosberg just gave his champagne to someone. Oh, he was proper <laughs> Marty, wasn't he? And I no, thought, that. do you know what, Rosberg? Grow up. 
imagine how many people starve in Africa because they can't have champagne and you're just wasting your... Actually, that's the opposite. He's not wasting it. He's saving it, isn't he? For I was hoping dog. he was just going to pour it out while standing stock still and just staring into a camera. It'd be better just if he just, like, if he just sits there and he just smashes the bottle on the podium and then just goes, come on, then. <laughs> come on. What is it with you and podium fights? You've been hankering after this all season. One year, Nigel Mansell nearly punched PK. Another year, he didn't centre punch someone. And I'm not advocating violence, but I'm just saying violence is it's quite entertaining. Times, it? Fisichella <laughs> nearly beat the crap out of Villeneuve once, yeah. and uh, Schumacher wanted to go and rip David Coulthard to pieces as well. Didn't didn't he? Have a go at Eddie Irvine, that was it. He was probably punch him. It's just like the whole kind of homogenisation of Formula One. Everything's boring. No one's punching each okay. other. So you, so, so the, you reckon the solution is that after the World <laughs> Championship concludes, we should have seen Rosberg with a broken champagne bowl going at black belt karate master Lewis Hamilton. No, I just think that we're saying they're both in the wrong for not fighting. <laughs> yes. So if you've got a question uh, that no one else can answer on Formula One, then please tweet us at For F1's Sake or check out our Facebook page. Now moving on to the bit of the week that we've all been waiting for. It's Phil Troman's News Round. Living on a prayer. News. Lotus uh, were free a seat after Grosjean had, uh, had scarpered to cast for next year. And they've announced who's going to be um, uh, filling it. Oh, who and is it's it? It's going to be Jolene Palmer. Oh, God. Now, I've seemed to remember you were a big fan of Jolene Palmer. If you I want just... to remind us why. His dad was the most boring Formula One commentator that ever existed. <laughs> and the first I really heard of Jolene Palmer was when he was like the guest free practice one commentator on Sky. And he is more boring than his father. Well, it is the graveyard shift. He's probably not particularly experienced. It's just, no, he's just, one. no, just the guy is just trouble. Well, he's not going to be doing any commentary anymore because he's driving for Lois. He's got a race seat. He's done a few uh, sort of young driver tests and free practices and all this kind of stuff uh, for, for Lotus and for uh, Force India in the last couple of years. The son of former F1 driver Jonathan Palmer. Uh, Has he driven for, in F1 before? He's not raced, but he's done a few few free practices and he did the young driver tests a couple of times. So he knows what he's doing. He's also the 2014 GP2 champion. So oh, anyone handy. could be that. When they've got driving licenses. Path to F1 is littered. <laughs> the path to F1 is littered with former GP2 champions that didn't actually get to F1. So he's done well to get himself a seat, although his dad basically owns all the minor UK racing circuits like Brands Hatch and Snetterton and Alton Park. So I think he's probably got a bit of money behind him. And in fact, he did race in a series that was named after him a few years ago called Formula Palmer Audi, which is organised by his dad and he didn't win it <laughs> yeah so we're going to have Jolie and Palmer and uh, the, the mark for him I think is going to be can he do as well as his dad did which is actually probably better than you think do you remember how well Jonathan Palmer did in Formula 1 he won the Jim Clark trophy he did win the Jim Clark trophy what year was that 1987 wow that's some knowledge he was best of the rest back in the day when there were turbo cars and non-turbo cars he was in the Tyrrell team I believe and he just kind of did quite well. He was probably quite good, but never a top driver. He's kind of maybe the Nick Heidfeld of his day. I don't think he was that good. Nick Heidfeld was sort of more like the Chris Amon of his day. In well, that Chris Amon won a race. was more like the, the Martin Brundle of his day. Jonathan Barmer, seven years in F1, 14 points, although admittedly under the old system where you didn't get any points unless you won or something. Did 88 races, raced for four different teams. So no pressure, Tyrrell, Julian. Benetton. No. Renault. No. McLaren, no. Ferrari, uh, Williams. Now, I can, now you're asking me, I cut, can't remember now. No, this, it was definitely this. Tyrrell, Ram, <laughs> Zach Speed, oh. and Williams, I think. I think he started at Williams. Oh. I've zoned out of that because I, I wasn't born then. Um, so let's move <laughs> on to the next topic, please, Phil. All right, fine. Kevin Magnussen, remember him? Got Ooh. a podium in his first race weekend in Australia for McLaren. Yep. Came back at the beginning of this year in Australia, and I don't think very well, but... Uh, well, he's gone. He's got the boot from McLaren uh, by email on his birthday. Oh. Because they don't need him anymore. Uh, the trouble is that they've only really got one room for one up-and-coming young whippersnapper. Um, and Stoffel van Dorn is the flavour of the month because he's the new GP2 champion. And there's no room for Kenny Magnussen anymore. That, that could only have been worse if Rod Ellis went, Kevin, we're thinking about who should drive for McLaren next year. <laughs> and... Uh, have you got any ideas? They <laughs> oh. <laughs> might as well have done that. In front of all of his friends. <laughs> yeah. We've got a special party for you because uh, we thought you might have an idea of who it might be. <laughs> we wanted to show our appreciation 
for your valuable input into who should drive next year. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's nothing more to say. He's gone. It's a shame. He's there quite is good. something more I to say. Just, just before we, I left the house today. I read that he's going to test for uh, Le Mans thing. Oh, interesting. Uh, okay. Supercar. What's it called these days? WEC. That one. That would sort of be a shame. I mean, I'm sure I'll have fun, and there's the opportunity to do very well and become another world champion and, and, you know, go to one of the greatest races in Le Mans 24 hours. But he seems very young to have already lost his opportunity in F1. But the trouble is now, I suppose, it's so late in the day. But he'd be able to come back, wouldn't he? Well, maybe, but I mean... But on the whole, they don't... Once you've lost a chance in F1... It's very hard to come back, yeah, because he's not really done... Has he done much racing this year? I, th- I can't remember if he's raced another series. I don't think he has. No, he's just been sitting there and he waiting for the phone. just be sitting there getting rusty. I mean, I would do your race, but I'm just a bit... I if I can get a phone line installed, just in case Ron calls, you know, just waiting on the call. He's, he's going to call him. Can we get off the line right yeah. now? I think you might be calling. God, it's so sad. I feel really bad for him. Because he, he did genuinely look like he might be pretty good for a while. Yeah, and then McLaren just kept building crappy cars, and then he was out after a year. So it's a shame. Maybe we'll see him back, but don't hold your breath. So, Phil, let's return to the Red Bull Honda debate that we were having last time. Yeah, we, we were saying a couple of, can you imagine how embarrassing it would be for Red Bull and their inability to hold on to an engine? Can you imagine how embarrassing it would be if they ended up with a Honda engine? So, news this week that Red Bull could have a Honda engine next year. <laughs> However, I read that Eric Boulier said he doesn't want to share. No, As he doesn't. a customer of an engine manufacturer, you can't be world champion. Why would, of all things, you wouldn't want to share? Why would you be proud of having a Honda engine? Well, because I, it's either that or they don't race at the moment, unless they can somehow convince Renault to come back. I think that actually Boudier knows a lot more than we do about how shit the Honda actually is. So he's just there going, no, we can't have anyone else running out. Because <laughs> we have been really covering this together. Uh, apparently, Bernie Eccleston says, so let's colour this with a pinch of salt, that, um, that's the phrase, that uh, <laughs> Honda said they would supply one team in year one, two teams in year two, and then three from then on. Except somehow they gave Ron Dennis a veto on this. And Bernie basically said, I don't know how, because he's got nothing to do with this, really. Honda's a company, they can do what they like. But Ron Dennis has said, no, you can't. Probably Ron Dennis thought initially that because they'll be world champions this year, no one will mind him vetoing it because they can be world champions next year. But as it's gone so badly, Ron Dennis just doesn't want Red Bull to do any better than the next year. I I slightly wonder if if Honda don't want anyone to realise that it's not just the engine that means they're rubbish. So if somebody else has the same engine and suddenly does really well, then they'll be showing up. But anyway, yeah, um, McLaren and Ron and Boulier don't want that to happen. Honda are apparently very keen on it. So we'll wait and see what happened then. But it would be quite hilarious if we see a Red Bull Honda next year. Because if Toro Rosso are rocking the Ferrari, Toro Rosso with the same engine are pushing Red Bull quite closely this season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with a much better engine, they'll be wiping the floor with them. Maybe we'll see a switch in the teams. That's assuming Red Bull uh, stick around. Sticking with engines, Phil, what have you got to say about the two-tier F1? Right, well, we, we, we touched on this briefly with Terry in one of his uh, nostalgic anecdotes, talking about the time when there were two tiers of engines, when they had turbo and non-turbo, and it was, in effect, you know, a double-level championship. It was like, who's going to be the fastest of the turbo engines? Who's going to be the fastest of the non-turbo engines? If Bernie gets his way, this could happen again, because they want, they're, they're aware that these new engine units, I'm not even supposed to call them engines anymore, power units, whatever they're calling them. Things. The combustion engine mixed with, with electricity. They're really blooming expensive, but the manufacturer teams like Ferrari and Mercedes, they really like them because it, it more closely reflects what's in their road cars, so they can use them for marketing purposes. But they're really blooming expensive. Bernie doesn't like them, and he's, um, he's somehow managed to get the FIA on side to say, right, we should have an alternative. And he wants to bring in a cheap, a much cheaper, more powerful 2.2-litre twin-turbo V6, which is what they're currently running in IndyCar. And the idea is that little companies like Ilmore or Cosworth could build these for much more reasonable prices. And you could run these alongside the existing engines. Thus, you have a choice at the beginning of the year. Do you want the cheap, quite powerful, likely, uh, engine that's going to be heavier at the start of the race because it's going to use more fuel, but then it'll get lighter towards the end of the race? Or do you want to have the, the, you know, the expensive power unit to market your car and all this malarkey? Ferrari has said, no, we absolutely don't like this. And it has a veto on these kind of decisions, apparently, for some reason, because Max Mosley decided to give Ferrari the power of veto on rule changes. For, that's an entirely different conversation to have. But the FIA is really so keen on it that they're probably going to try and go through all sorts of legal channels to see if it can happen. Bernie likes it. He's also mentioned bringing back refueling. Well... It's kind of sad 
because you don't want a two-tier formula. They did this whole engine upgrade to be like, we're going to be more efficient, we're going to have electric hybrid, blah, blah, blah. This is what Formula 1 should be in the future. It's going greener. It's not about guzzling petrol, blah, 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 blah. But at the same time, you think, well, it would be nice if there was a smaller, cheaper engine that the Force India or the Sauber could bolt in the back of their car and be a bit competitive. A two-tier formula is bad, but Mercedes and Ferrari owning the entire formula for ages is also bad. If anything, this is classic Formula One. Yes. Every option <laughs> is bad. <laughs> um, well, I haven't really got a very strong opinion on this because it all seems to be very hypothetical. Like, this could happen, this massive changes, or absolutely nothing could happen. I mean, why, why have they brought this up in the first place? Well, it's all part of the, the ongoing and clumsy push to try and bring costs down. F1 because that was originally the plan years ago when you had HRT and Caterham and Russia come in and then the cost skyrocketed and they brought in these new really expensive engines and they're trying to jump on this bandwagon again and say no no we can we can attract new teams with our super cheap engines personally I think it's an absolutely horrible idea because as, as Terry says to have a two-tier championship is going to be a nightmare they're talking about performance balancing and that kind of thing and that's something that happens in other forms of motorsport but it very rarely works and these are normally much lower tiers of motorsport where you have to keep the, the teams happy because it's all gentlemen drivers and they're paying their money and there's all sorts of crazy politics involved but I can't see it working it'll be one will be more powerful than the other and it'll start the season it'll be completely obvious uh, that one will run away with it and then whoever's chosen the wrong choice will be saddled with it for the rest of the year. And basically, it won't happen because what Bernie Eccleston always does is he says, this bad thing will happen unless I get my way and then the teams will go, all right, have your way a little bit but not your way. He's basically like a mother who says, if you keep your face like that and the wind changes, your face is going to stick like that. He's going, if we keep going like this, then we're going to have to have shitter engines, blah, blah, blah. And then the team will go, all right, well, we'll make the engines cheaper, Bernie. And then everything will be fine. And Bernie Eccleston's power is slowly eroding and blah, blah, blah. You're quit. probably right then there is, that, that, that Bernie very rarely says exactly what he wants. And he's probably doing a chess-like move to try and wangle something else. But, um, but I mean, perhaps he's looking for a halfway house somewhere. The, the problem with Bernie is we all know that now. And surely all the teams must know that. <laughs> he's like in the Wizard of Oz where he, there's a small man behind the curtain. And the fact is he's managed to be a small man in front of the curtain for so long that imagine how small he really is. <laughs> Have you seen his haircut? That's a curtain in <laughs> Speaking of Bernie Eccleston being the Wizard of Oz, Terry, talk us through the state of F1 this week. The lightning bolt you just heard signifies <laughs> Formula E, perhaps the second most worst named sport after Formula One. <laughs> I was watching the start of the new Formula E season this weekend, and I was wondering. Start? I didn't even realise it had started. Well, that's 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 because Bernie Eccleston's not in control. Now, what it is, the FIA have basically gone. We want to do something cleaner, blah 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 blah, and so they've gone for Formula E, which Bernie Eccleston has no control over, which means it's. It's like the FIA are trying to flex their muscles, except those muscles are all atrophied and they've not been used for years. And actually, they're kind of all kind of wrinkly and they've turned to fat. The reason I want to talk about this is because I'm reading like a tech, American tech website blog that I read a lot about like Apple stuff and stuff like that. And they did a big feature on Formula E. And this isn't a blog that covers sport. This isn't a blog that covers motor racing. But Formula E, I think, might be the gateway drug to a lot of younger people watching motorsport. And I think maybe we should look at it from that point of view. So, for this podcast, I endured the first Formula E race of the season. If you don't know about Formula E, it's fully electric-powered cars. They sound terrible. Do they not sound like sort of something out of Tron? Well, secondly, that's the worst thing, is that the, t- the opening title sequences is like this kind of Tron kind of animation. And then you see, oh, look, it seems to be some milk floats in a car park. So, <laughs> first problem. But I think it's got a future. It's basically a, a breeding ground for shit and retired Formula One drivers. So this year we have PK Jr., Sebastian Buemi, Luca Degrassi, Nick Heidfeld, Jean-Eric Verne, Nico Prost, who's Prost's son. Oh, yeah. 
Bruno Senna, who's Senna's nephew, and what? Jack Villeneuve. Really? Jack, Jack Villeneuve. Villeneuve. is 1997 Formula One world champion, and ever since then, disappointment to everyone, is driving <laughs> for Formula E. Is this pr- proven musician? He's basically... Songwriter. It is basically like someone's dad has turned up to a party and gone, no, 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 I love One Direction. What? <laughs> Did he just not think this was GP Masters or something? I know, it's just embarrassing. So, and also... The teams, um, there's a team called Dragon, so that's a that's win. That's a good name. That's a good name. And there's also a female driver, which is something Formula One. Oh, I think I heard about this. Is this Catherine Legg? No, Silvonia de Bovier. Simona de Silvestro? Yes. Oh, she's in it, is she? She's okay. in it. She's doing she well. to do IndyCar. And yeah. she was linked with a Sauber seat for a bit. Yeah, yeah. And then didn't get it. No. So, the basic premise. Everyone's got a car full of electric, and <laughs> it's technical, full of electric, <laughs> and they drive around... And the electric wears out and you get like a little battery indicator like your phone. It's basically watch it like imagining your phone's running out of battery after a long day and then like by the pit stops the, the battery's gone red and they're on like 9% and they're like, oh, I've got to get home, I've got to text the wife and they kind of keep going down and they have a pit stop midway through the race and this is still the most pathetic part of it, of many pathetic things. They have to change cars in the pit stop <laughs> and they have a minimum pit stop time. So they, a quick pit stop means nothing because then they've just got to wait until like 20 seconds have gone by. So they can't, they can't literally sort of fling open the buckles as they come in the pit lane nope, and then so it's got from stop, one car to the other. Get another car. But I would say watching it, there were some actually fascinating things. So before the, this pit stop, they all kind of bunch up. The whole It's like a safety car. The whole grid kind of bunches up because they're all basically running out of electricity. Oh, so they all pit at the same time? So they all basically pit on like the same one or two laps because the car can only do... It's a 26-lap race. The car can only do 13 laps. Oh, God, this is embarrassing. <laughs> so they all basically pit on the same couple of laps. But what happens is the, the drivers who have, like Perez with tyres, the drivers who have conserved a bit more power have got easy pickings when they're all so bunched up. And actually, that couple of laps is fascinating. And the same at the end, where someone who's got a lot of extra reserve can go so it's like fuel saving or tire yeah. saving or something it's like having a mobile phone it's great but that's the worst thing about having a mobile phone is oh, the it's the worst thing yeah so, um, so if you haven't used a load of apps if you've not been on google maps all morning oh yeah or you've been playing games yeah but on lap 25 they're all just quitting all the apps going come on <laughs> turn the brightness down turn the brightness down <laughs> airplane mode they've got the equivalent of a virtual safety car but they call it a full course yellow and when that comes out then everyone just has to drive around at a certain speed. I quite like that. And then, unlike the virtual safety car, they get a 10-second warning that we hear on the TV So when the race is going to restart. Not like the virtual safety car where they go, oh, it's off, it's gone. (laughs) No. Another bad point, the tracks they have are rubbish. Are they they street tracks? They're all street tracks. And, I mean, I'll put this picture on the Facebook. Here is the Beijing Grand Prix circuit. It's awful. That it's is like, pretty terrible. Oh, we're going around the Asda car park, but oh, we, we better avoid the recycling bins, <laughs> and that's basically what they've done. It's like they've put an extra corner in because they realised it was literally just a square. Exactly. Do they do street tracks to be eco-friendly, or I, do you think they should just go on Formula well, One tracks? I think they do it around cities so they can try and get, drive a bit of business. There's it's an one accessibility in thing, isn't it, so people can see it. Yeah, but I also think that Bernie Eccleston and FOM own the rights to certain races at certain tracks. And also, the cars are quite slow. And if they went round somewhere like Spa, it would probably take half an hour a lap. And that's my next problem, is that it does look quite slow. I, I feel like they should maybe speed up the coverage by maybe one and a half times. It's weird. I mean, I watched this race, and is this the future? Well, I think the technology isn't there yet. And I think in a couple of years, it probably will be. They've made a lot of changes this year. Ironically, the Renault team, they won by a huge margin. Uh, it's Prost is involved, and... His son is an embarrassment to racing. He's awful. Don't, don't Renault have quite a big involvement? Because they, they're, they're all identical cars, aren't they? Don't Renault no, make all the cars? it's different this year. They're all different cars. Oh, are they? All Last right. year it was all a single formula. This year it's different. Every year the rules are going to get more complicated. But the best bit, and I think I should probably wrap up on this bit, is um, <laughs> at one point there was, <laughs> there was a cat on the track. <laughs> okay. I like where this is going. And we've all seen in tragic ex-Formula 1 races where an animal's got on the track and then a, a Formula 1 car has hit that animal and an animal is then dead. There's a cat And I don't know if there are any cat owners listening, but you know when... You know when maybe you slightly piss off your cat 
and your cat gives you an evil look and then just goes back to what he's doing. That's kind of what happened. There was a cat on the side of the track. All of the cars went by and the cat looked at them and were like, what? And then turned back and got on with what he was doing. On that note, what is the state of Formula E? Do you know what? It's mostly rubbish and embarrassing if you're a Formula One fan. But I think if you take away knowing about Formula One, I think it's exciting. You're not going to watch Formula E if you don't like Formula One. But this is the thing. These tech websites and the people who are into gadgets and shit are watching Formula E. They're, they're being, it's being pushed at them. And I think there's very close racing. It actually does get quite exciting because they're all bunched up more, so there's more stuff happening. There's a lot of people crashing off. It's going to be something to worry about in the future for Formula One. I think once we're going hybrid with Formula One, once petrol runs out, which could happen, you know, because <laughs> I, I mean, I've, I've stopped hard a lot, but <laughs> I don't know. Woe betide those who mock them now because those will come back to haunt them in the future. Didn't they say that about A1GP? No, they didn't. Oh. No, no one said that about A1GP. All Formula Masters, all GP2 for that matter. And I think this GP2 is different. GP2 still going. It's a different beast. So on my normal scale, I like to kind of obviously say what's good and what's bad. Let's go by electricity use. So a what? A TV remote uses very little electricity. You can get on a one battery for like a year. And a kettle uses a lot of electricity. Too much electricity. Right? It's pointless. I'd say Formula E is currently maybe a toaster. So let's move on to predictions. This week's Mexico Grand Prix. First of all, what happened last time? Not last year. Was it not? It was 1992. Hamilton probably won it, didn't he? Yep, that was the last Mexican Grand Prix. So who won that? Uh, well, actually, I know who it was because I talked to the winner last week. Oh, did you? Oh, did you? oh who is that? Was it? It was, was it? Nigel Mans. Oh. So he he's had a corner named after him for this year's race. Yes, it's called Nigel Mansell. Is it just called? Was it called Mansell Corner or Nigel? It actually is Nigel Mansell, which is a bit of a long. And he's going around Nigel Mansell Corner. <laughs> no, he's gone very deep into Nigel Mansell. <laughs> oh. I'll give you the rundown of the top six. So first was in Mansell, second was Petrezzi. Third was Schumacher, fourth Berger, fifth De Cesaris, and sixth Hakkinen. And I just wanted to make a point about the weird changing of the guard there, because over those times, if you think of the early 90s, you think of Mansell, Senna, Prost, those kind of guys. And I find it weird when you look at these results and see Schumacher and Hakkinen, who were very much the next bastion of world champions. They were the Max Verstappens of their day. Yeah, and I'm thinking, are we going to look back at the top six of this race and go, God, wasn't it weird that... Max Verstappen was racing when Hamilton was, you know. Is that mental that Will Stevens was at the back of the field? <laughs> <laughs> but, this thing, but these things are true, and it's like it's funny how we have eras of Formula One, but the eras don't go, all right, all the drivers have quit this year, and next year there's a whole bunch of new drivers. And I feel like we're in one of those periods now, I think. The cross I, yeah. I mean, well, I mean yeah. Schumacher was still racing until, what, the 2012? Yeah. He stopped. You go back to him, you can go to Mansell, and you go back to Mansell, and you, you're back to 80, 80, 81 when he first started. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of odd, you know, and we've got Button and Alonso, and uh, what's the Brazilian, got Massa. <laughs> They're all on the way out. Yeah. It's just interesting. Do you feel old, Terry? Yeah, yeah, I feel very old. Thanks, thanks, Chica. So, um, and all of those ones we just mentioned were in both of our lifetimes. So let's talk about our predictions. Based on our intimate knowledge of the uh, Mexican circuit, they've rejigged it slightly. It's not quite the same as it used to be. They've, they've the big, the big, uh, what's the big main caller called? The big Paradamalta. The Paradamalta. Paradamalta. That big corner that looks a bit like Curva Grande at. uh, no, the amazing corner, Parabolica. the best, the, best the one that corner. looks like Parabolica, the, yeah, they've cut it in half. Yeah, because they've, they've, they've built a stadium there in the last 20 years and they can't go around the stadium because there's also a big housing development next to it. So they've just kind of gone... I think they, could, they should just, have kept it. We'll just cut it off. And it just looks a bit like it's been neutered. So, predictions. Well, one thing to say, in Mexico, where the track is, it's so high up, it has an effect on the engines because there's Ooh. less oxygen in the air. Oh, yes. No, it's very high. It's like seven or 8,000... Yeah million feet or something isn't now, it I'm, I don't know what effect it has <laughs> no that's that's science that means that they uh, they will get less air into the engine and you need a lot of air in an engine to make it work the more air you can get in the better in fact that's the entire point of turbochargers is to get more air in so they'll be less so they powerful. will theoretically be less powerful but in theory they'll all be equally less powerful 
because they're all running the same air. But so we'll, you don't think anyone will benefit out of that? I mean, I'm not an engineer, but I can't really see how they would. I reckon would. Honda will, because they'd all just be quite high, going, oh, Maybe. there's no air here. <laughs> unless, unless there's, I mean, I, I'm sure engineers will be able to tell me more on this, but unless there's a sort of way that they can rely less on air, I don't know. I'm way out of my comfort zone on this, I don't know. Okay. No, not me. Okay, so, um, so anyway. Terry. Oh. Yep. If you had to put all, all the money you own on who you think who you think is going to be in the top three. Right. I've got a feeling Hamilton's not even going to turn up. <laughs> why, why does he need to? doesn't have to. Uh, I think Vettel's going to win. I think Rosberg's going to come second, obviously. And third, I think... Uh, see, Perez is too obvious a heartstring because he's Mexican. It would be a story, though, wouldn't it? It would be a story, but it's not going to happen. Raikkonen. You don't think he's going to slam it into a He doesn't need air. We have been loyal to Raikkonen for weeks. All of us have been like, oh, Raikkonen this week, Raikkonen. I've just given up on it. Vettel, Rosberg, Raikkonen. Okay, what about you, Phil? Hamilton. No. And I'm I'm probably going to regret this next year when it turns out to be Hamilton, uh, Rosberg and Vettel. But I think Rosberg's a broken man. I think he's I think he's gone. I think he's been destroyed by Capgate. Uh, I don't think he's going to feature. So I think it's going to be Hamilton, Vettel, Perez. Ooh, hello. It's going to be a glorious homecoming. I think that is going to be Vettel followed by. I think it's going to be Perez. Ooh. I'm in last place. All right, I might as well be a bit daring. Yep. Okay, so tell us how wrong we are by tweeting us at for F1's sake. We'll be back in two weeks. Yes, we know there's a race this weekend, but we all need a break. So we'll cover all the latest F1 news in a fortnight's time. Until then, goodbye to Phil Tromans. Goodbye. Uh, We haven't had time to talk, uh, quite understandably, because it's a different sport, but I just wanted to mention MotoGP, which has been just as exciting as Formula One over the last couple of weeks. And Terry Saunders. We haven't really talked about what the fuck Elton John was doing on the podium. (laughs) But do you know what? Was that Elton John? Literally yeah. like a guy who ran a Bulgarian hand car wash. Do you know what? In the way that Elton John always says, live and let die. And I'm Chigrez. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.